how we think and feel and believe about ourselves and the world around us absolutely affects our biological, every bit of our biological functioning, our physical health and what's happened to our bodies and, and how we take care of our bodies absolutely can affect the way we think and feel and, and believe and see the world. Welcome to the Joy Powered Workspace podcast, where we help HR and business leaders embrace joy in the workplace. I'm Jody Curtis, owner of Purple Ink and powered by Purple Ink. With me is my dear friend and co-host, Susan White, owner of Susan Tender White Consulting, an HR consulting practice. Our topic today is on employee well-being through mind-body medicine skills. Employee mental health and well-being is such a hot topic these days. It's always been important, but the last few years have really brought it to the forefront. Investing in the well-being of your team isn't just good for them. Mental health challenges can really affect the way your employees show up and perform at work. It has been so interesting to me to find out after the fact that my team members, peers, or employees have been struggling with things like anxiety or sick children or parents or financial issues, and I didn't even realize it. I've been so embarrassed or felt so blind to the fact that they were dealing with these tough issues and didn't talk about it. As you know, I'm an optimist, so I just always assume all is well with everyone. (laughs) I had someone on my team one time whose mother was going through breast cancer treatments, and she was driving three hours in the evening to see her mom after work and then driving back another three hours to get to the office at 8 a.m. Oh, my gosh. And I had no idea she was doing that until it was all over. Oh, my gosh. How about you, Susan? Have you seen this effect in the workplace? Oh, yeah. I I think that it's always been there, but I think that organizations and HR leaders and just business professionals are so much more aware that when people come to work, they're bringing their whole self to work. And when I early in my career, it was often, you know, you need to leave your personal life at the door. When you come in here, we expect you to be a, a corporate soldier. And then when you go home, you can pick up all that baggage. That is not the world that I think is healthy. I don't, that's not the world that we're going to make people be as effective as they could be. We've got to change our thinking. And, and I, I like to think that I'm a lot more empathetic today. I'm much more, and maybe it's because I've been through so many things in my own life, right? Illnesses and deaths of parents and children's illnesses and on and on that I, I really try to understand the load that people are carrying into the workplace so that if they can find relief or help through resources or I can be supportive, I want to do that. Right. From a recent article from EverFi called Forecast 2023, Six Mental Health Trends. And I've selected three of those trends to mention today. Number one is employee mental health and well being is becoming a budget line item. According to data from the Kaiser Family Foundation, 
32% of adults reported symptoms of anxiety and or depression. And that study was done in October of 2021. But that was a 20% increase from the year before. From an employer standpoint, mental health challenges, of course, can impact retention, productivity, as you mentioned earlier, and job performance, not to mention the healthcare costs themselves. Forward-thinking workplaces recognize the benefits of investing in mental health and wellness of their employees, and there is data to support this. According to the World Health Organization, depression and anxiety cost the global economy $1 trillion a year in lost productivity. And for every $1 spent on effective social-emotional learning program, the return on investment is $11 in long-term benefits. Wow. So bottom line, not only is prioritizing the well-being of employees a good thing from a people standpoint, but from a business standpoint as well. This can come in many forms. It might be providing counseling resources, availability of apps or technology tools that promote positive employee mental health, or an extra allotment of time off that you might call mental health days. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing more and more companies offer those. Yeah. The second trend we're going to talk about is employee resource and affinity groups are becoming much more commonplace. Employees are bringing more into the office uh, with them than ever before. The line between work and personal lives continues to be more blurry. It's becoming increasingly difficult to ignore all the factors which were so easy to compartmentalize in a pre-pandemic world. And many employer, employers have seen this play out in their employees' states of well-being. So we've had employee resource groups and affinity groups around for quite a while, really, to really try to, I think, help enhance the diversity in organizations. So people who were of a certain protected class, if they had an opportunity with the company support to affiliate, to be together, to mentor, to talk through common issues, that was really something that we thought was going to help advance our diversity, equity, inclusion efforts, which is true. I all think that is very true. But I think from a mental health standpoint and a work-life balance standpoint, these organizations can have such help. Um, so or, if someone's feeling isolated and alone, if they have an employee resource group or affinity group where they can find people that are sharing similar types of feelings, it can be so powerful. These communities can create spaces in which employees can connect with others who share similar interests or aspects of an identity. For example, there are affinity groups for parents, for members of the LGBTQI plus communities, are those focused on mental health and affinity groups for women and people of color. I know when I was with a large corporation, I was very active in our disability affinity group. We called it accessibility. And I remember I was going through such pain myself because I have a daughter, as I mentioned in earlier episodes, that suffers from a disability. And the onset of it was the last um, 
gosh, few years of my career at this large corporation. And I just remember how hard it was to work and to just get all the demands of my job done when there was an ache in my stomach all the time, just so worried about her. And so I had not joined the disability affinity group before this, but I thought, you know what, I'm not only going to join, but I'm going to run for office. So I ran for the, I ran for the global co-chair of this and I ended up winning and it was just transformative for me because our accessibility group not only was for people with disabilities, but it was for caregivers of people with disabilities or people who just cared about people with disabilities. And so I had the opportunity to learn so much more about disabilities, to really have an appreciation for caregivers and the issues that they faced in the world of work. And I just can't even tell you what that did for my mental health. Um, and I'm sure it made me a better employee. I'm sh- I know it did because I, I felt like I had a, a, an outlet for something that just was you know, eating me away. So by creating the structure for affinity groups, employers can create space and resources for supporting members of their community. They can foster connections and potentially increase retention and employee satisfaction. I love it. And the third one is that mental health will become dinner table dialogue. Although we've had this increase in mental health challenges, so too has the dialogue around it. The simple question, how are you, where we used to all just say fine or good, right, has led many to engage in deeper conversations about their well-being. Uh, You know, I've noticed it even with my own adult children talking about situations or friends who are seeing a psychiatrist or who are suffering from anxiety or depression. It just, they don't even, they just talk about that, you know, wide open, much more so than than I ever did growing up as well. And it's so healthy. I think it used to be taboo or something that you'd feel like embarrassed about. But now I love the fact that I think it is on the table, at the dinner table, the breakfast table, at the table. Yes. Yes. Well, based on these three trends, we invited Melanie Fouth to join us today. Melanie is a registered nurse and the co-owner of Ignite Wellbeing, a business whose mission is to help organizations and individuals reduce stress and create cultures of well-being using mind-body medicine-based tools. Melanie is certified in mind-body medicine and is passionate about sharing these skills with employers or employees to give people the tools they need to improve their overall mental physical health. Melanie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So Melanie, why did addressing adult well-being become a priority for you? I'm a registered nurse, have been for over 30 years um, in a large health system. And I'd always noticed that the Western health system, system of medicine was, had separated physical health from mental health and was really kind of focused on fixing issues instead of prevention. Not to say that there's not preventative things happening in healthcare. and, And I think it's growing more and more. So I was looking for something that became more prevention focused. And personally, I was a caregiver. I am a caregiver to both my parents. I was an executive leader under a lot of stress, uh, saw a lot of families of of patients that I worked with, uh, staff members that I was leading under a lot of stress. 
I had had some major job changes in my life, like we all do, um, major life changes, and I was looking for a way to help myself. I had the opportunity to take a mind-body medicine course through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine out of Washington, D.C., and it gave me the language that I was looking for to help myself, and I became extremely passionate in trying to help help others. We started Ignite Wellbeing with my business partner who also is certified in mind-body medicine and our passion is really to help humans learn these skills, learn uh, more education around how our minds and our bodies are truly connected. I'm I'm encouraged that uh, I see a lot more information out there. I think COVID has and impacts COVID has had on our society has really pushed forward the idea of maybe we do need to pay more attention to how our minds and bodies are connected. So that is very encouraging, but um, just, you know, look, as humans, as adults trying to navigate our world, um, we often aren't taught the skills that we need to have more resilience and have ways to help ourselves. And that's what we're all about at Ignite Wellbeing is to teach people simple skills that they can incorporate in their own lives to help, help them both mentally and physically. I love it. But Melanie, tell us a little bit more about what exactly does mind-body medicine mean? Yeah, it's kind of a nebulous word, isn't it? Mind-body medicine. Mind-body medicine uses the power of thoughts and emotions to impact physical health and vice versa. How we think and feel and believe about ourselves and the world around us absolutely affects our biological, every bit of our biological functioning, our physical health and what's happened to our bodies and, and how we take care of our bodies absolutely can affect the way we think and feel and, and believe and see the world. So again, it's that connectivity of the mind and the body and how we are learning so much more all the time with neuroscience uh, and, and how our nervous system really affects everything about us. Mind-body medicine uh, provides a series of skills and, and tools for people, education about stress and trauma and the impact that that has on us, things from meditation, guided imagery, simple things like breathing. People don't take time during the day in our busy lives to just sit and breathe, even just for a minute. Deep breaths can make a big impact on how it calms our nervous system and calms our body down for us to be able to function in a better way. We teach things like movement, shaking and dancing, drawing, journaling, all of these different skills are under that mind-body medicine um, umbrella. Um, not all skills resonate with everyone, but but the, the beautiful thing that we do at Ignite Wellbeing is to share them all with people, try to have everybody have experiences with them all. It's a smorgasbord of of different things to see what really people feel like they are drawn to and can integrate into their life because it's a, it's a journey. We give people lots of experiences and then it's up to them to practice um, and, and make it a lifelong commitment. Right. Nice. With mind body medicine, scientifically it's shown to increase relaxation it helps your cardiovascular system it can lower your heart rate your blood blood pressure especially Um, it can help in wound healing um, with symptoms of uh, depression and anxiety helps your immune system function better helps your endocrine system you have less fatigue less chronic pain there's a lot of reasons especially as 
you know, adults in the United States and really around the world are dealing with a lot more chronic issues. Could it be possible that some of that is, is because we're running around in a chronic stress, stress state? I have to think so. Yeah, if we use some of these tools to calm ourselves down, calm our nervous systems down, yes, we're busy and it's hard and we have to integrate it into our into our daily life, but we're talking breathing. Could you help our audience understand, is there some simple type of technique that we could do today that would help our mind or body? Sure. Breathing would be one. Just sitting quietly with your eyes closed and just breathing in through your mouth, in through your nose and out through your mouth, setting a timer, slowly and deeply breathing in and out and just trying to let, let thoughts that come into your mind go. Let the things that have happened in your day prior to taking a breath um, go and, and let not think about things in the future. Just be present. Pay attention to your body and how you're feeling. Are you holding tension in your jaw? Are you holding tension in your shoulders? We get so busy and wound tightly that we don't take time to just breathe deeply. And that's often a tool that we teach people that that they just really resonate with because we can do that when we're making our coffee in the morning or we can do it before we go to bed or we can breathe before we give a presentation or or start a meeting, have a group, have the team that's meeting, just take a few breaths before people start just to reset and calm your mind down. Oh, I love that. Melanie, you had just taught me about breathing and I, when I woke up this morning, before I ever got out of bed, I did some deep breathing. It was like the first thing that came into my mind this morning and I did it. And of course, you know, I was just waking up. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't in the middle of anything, but it really felt good to do that. So I'm hoping I can continue to do that. And uh, it is very calming. And there are apps and, and there are a lot of the watches, the, the digital watches that are out today, the, the, the Apple watches and so on have technology to help you remember to do that. But it's that intentionality. The other thing that mind-body medicine brings people is learning to just be more self-aware. It's good to have these skills, these tools, drawing out, trying to figure out solutions to problems or journaling with an emotion but the underpinning of all that is, is using these different skills to really stop and just check in with yourself. How are you doing? How are you doing in the moment? How are you feeling in the moment? Are you, if you're anxious, what's that all about? Because we just often, uh, a lot of us are caregivers. We like to take care of other people. We don't take care of ourselves. And I think just learning that self-awareness is another big part of, of mind-body medicine. So Melanie, when Ignite Wellbeing is working with teams or organizations, what is it exactly that you're doing? And what have some of your outcomes been so far? The thing that I love about what we do is that um, while we have kind of our, our core small group focus, we like working with teams over a six or eight week period, really giving them um, the education and the experiences of multiple tools. And Jody, your team is going through that right now and, and seems to be really enjoying that. 
I would say that is what we really like to do. However, we have worked with organizations in all different ways. We co-create whatever works best for that organization. We go in and try to really understand what their needs are, how they feel their employer, their employees are struggling with stress or issues uh, in their organization. We might do half day or full day workshops. We uh, often find ourselves doing uh, a series of lunch and learns, maybe um, a consolidated offering from our six or eight week group experience. It's less time, but but it does give some information uh, about all of the skills and, and a little bit of an experience for employees. So really it's about co-creating what works best for an organization based on time constraints um, and the needs of that organization. Our main focus is to create space for people. This is a human offering. Um, it's not a it's it's not a it's not counseling. It's not a technology. This is about face-to-face human interaction and, and teaching people how to stop and breathe and process how they're doing in the moment, because these are skills that employees and humans can take with them anywhere. It's a part of just um, taking better care of yourself and really thinking about your own personal well-being. You mentioned that you're working with Purple Ink, and at this point, we've just had one session, and I can tell you the response I've heard so far has been overwhelmingly positive in that, and that we learned a lot about each other through the process as well, too. Yes, thank you for that. I was I meant to mention that earlier. I think working, we work with people in the community, with nonprofits, with clients of nonprofits, uh, and with organizations. But I think in an organizational setting, it is nice for teams to go through these groups together um, because not only there, there's a real um, re- relationality, if that's a word, there's a there's a way that really builds that team culture because we're sharing how we're doing in the moment. Uh, we're sharing about our stresses and 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 our insights that we have as we, as we experience these different tools. And it's a beautiful uh, thing to be able to share our learning with others. We've kind of gotten away from that in the in the digital world of of Zoom and decentralized workplaces and so on. And so it does uh, work well in that regard to bring teams together. We can do groups um, live and in person, or we can do it on Zoom. And and I think with Purple Inc. as an example, you have employees all over the country and they're able to be together and learn together, experience the skills together. Melanie, how can our listeners reach out to you if they're interested in working with you or engaging more? You can reach us by going to our website, www.ignitewellbeingin.com, ignitewellbeingin.com, and you can let us know through the website that you're interested in learning more. We'd be glad to reach out to you and find out what your needs are. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll put that information in our show notes as well. And Melanie, uh, you know, we always like to ask a question about joy. So what do you think is one small step people can do with their mental and physical well-being that will help them create more joy at work? That's a loaded question, Jody. I'm glad you asked it. 
You know, we just simply can't pour from an empty cup. So what we like to do is help people realize that they have the power to help themselves and, and we're here to give them tools to do that. Take a lunch break, you know, and I know it's hard sometimes. Go for a walk, even if it's just for a minute. Take a break and breathe like you did this morning. Um, sometimes it can be hard to practice mind-body skills in a work setting if that's not the culture that's been built. And, and we understand that. And sometimes it can look like sitting in your office with the lights out and the door locked and that's okay. You just need to make some space or if you're working from home, you know, get up and just go stand outside, do little things that, that you can just create a little bit of space for yourself and just check in with yourself. And how are you doing? Are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you stressed? What are you, what can you do to help kind of calm, calm your mind a little bit because you will have better judgment better empathy and compassion for people, a better ability to connect with people. If you can develop over time that insight of your stress level and try to calm yourself down. And so that obviously will bring more joy to, to work and to your work. Great advice. I know that I could um, be much better by doing some or all of those exercises during the day. So. Thank you. And thanks for joining us too. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Jody. it's time for our listener question. The following question came from a listener of one of our previous podcasts. Please know we welcome questions from any of our listeners anytime. Here's the question. What are appropriate questions to ask in an on-demand video interview? Well, I'll start by explaining a little bit about what a demand video interview is, and they're definitely becoming more popular. And the positives to using this process are that interviewees can answer the questions on their own time, and it's easy to create a standardized process by using the same questions to all of the applicants, and it can save a lot of time. So the employer might physically be videoed asking questions, or there might just be questions that pop up on the screen that the interviewee will answer. And I think you can ask a lot of the same questions that you would ask on a phone or a live interview. But I do think it's important to ask questions that the interviewee will be more comfortable answering because I think the process of videotaping themselves can create some nervousness or even anxiety. So I'd save the tougher questions for an interactive interview later on. So, you know, you're using it as a screening tool. So I don't mean make it too easy for them, but get to the questions you need to screen them to see whether they need to go to the next step. But since you did ask for some specific questions, with some help from Google and some of my own favorites, here are some ideas. Why should we hire you? Why did you leave your last job? Or why are you interested in finding a new role? Why do you want this job in particular? What is your dream job? 
And what are your greatest strengths? And I would just add on that if you're using an on-demand video through someone like HireVue or any of the other major companies that do this, they also, if depending on if you're buying the artificial intelligence behind it, that's also assessing response rates and tones and word choice. If you're doing that whole package, I would work pretty closely with them on the questions that they suggest, because you're going to want to ask questions where they're dialed into reading the whole picture of the response. I'm not sure I, I you know, there's pros and cons to, to all of that. I personally like doing an on-demand video where I'm not reading anything into it other than what the person says, but that's me. So I would just think, think about it if you're going to be using more than just the video, if you're looking at for AI behind it. Right. I love it. In our in the news section, in a 2022 survey by InsureInks, they found that 93% of working Americans had a side hustle. I was so surprised by that, Susan. As a matter of fact, I read this article three or four times thinking 93%, how, how could that be? But as I did read further, I I do believe it's higher than what we might think. 93% seems like a lot. But with the 2022 inflation, especially, employees might have had some needs or for extra money and or many people had so much more flexibility to be able to take on a side hustle. So think of things like Uber, Etsy, Amazon, DoorDash, selling items online or at a farmer's market, walking dogs, or teaching classes at a fitness center. I mean, when I read some of those ideas, I realized some of our Purple Ink team members do some of those things. So then I found it more believable um, when I thought about all the different ways that might include. The article goes on to say that some people have more than one side hustle. So these statistics won't add up to 100%, but they said 95% of the survey respondents took surveys online. I would not have thought of that one. 18% of people with a side hustle sell things online. 13% do freelance work. 9% sell used clothes. And 6% have a part-time job. 29% of people say that inflation was a factor in starting their side hustle and that 51% are considering starting one and 97% expect to continue their side hustle, and 93% say they really enjoy their side hustle. So interesting. Well, please tune in next time and make it a joy-powered day. If you would like SHRM recertification credit for listening to this podcast, please visit getjoypowered.com SHRM. You'll find an evaluation of the podcast, and once you complete the evaluation, you will see the SHRM recertification credit code and a link to a proof of participation certificate. Again, that's getjoypowered.com SHRM. Thank you for listening, and thanks for your dedication to the HR profession. If you liked the show, please tell your friends about it and let us know what you think by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts.
You can learn more about Joy Powered at getjoypowered.com. Check out the Joy Powered shop where you can order our books, journals, and other items that power our joy at getjoypowered.com slash shop. We're at Joy Powered on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at joypowered at gmail.com. We hope you tune in next time. Make it a Joy Powered day.